But ask yourself, why is it considered squeamish? Why does it make you cringe? Is it only because it's a taboo thing in society? What if two related people grew up together away from society? And how much of this do you think is due to society's collective sense of self-righteousness? There were weird laws while marrying maternal cousins was considered okay but not paternal cousins. Yeah, but what differentiates romantic love from other kinds of love? Is it different from our loves for siblings only because of the physical aspect? There were these Taiwanese couples formed in the 1800s called minor couples where in the future spouse of a child would be decided they would then grow up together but it was observed that these couples intentionally had lesser kids in comparison. Hey Curiosphere, this is Pratham here and I'm Suraj. So on this channel we discuss our thoughts and have a deep talk on an intriguing topic to see where the conversation takes us. So for today's episode before we start, just a quick disclaimer that this might be a sensitive or uncomfortable topic for some people. So if you prefer skipping this episode, please go ahead and do that. Suraj and I both of us don't have siblings and we're no experts on this topic either, but we just wanted to discuss this since it seemed quite interesting. So I wanted to start off with this story about three characters. So there's this widow called Sarah and two children called Richard and Lily. And what happens is they're part of a ship and the ship gets wrecked and they land up on this island in the Pacific. So what happens there is this lady raises them and they're cut off from the world of course. And it's just so beautiful. She teaches them things so innocently. They grow up uh, through their childhood years in her presence and away from all the influence of the world and society and everything else. So she answers their little questions. She explains how they will grow up, what will happen in the years to come. And like, for example, she saw some uh, tribals on the other side of the island. So she makes a rule that you're never supposed to go to the other side of the island. And that rule has been embedded in them since they were kids. So it becomes like these rules that they live by. And what happens is she dies uh, and they have a ceremony for her. They bury her and they grow up for a few years without her. And they're so resourceful, like they know how to hunt and, uh, you know, find food and kill fish and cook and gather fruits and everything. And the turning point of the story comes is when they reach sexual maturity. And they even have an argument about it regarding privacy and what should they should and should not do. So, for example, they might not be comfortable, like they've always expressed what they're feeling or thinking or what they think to each other. But this becomes like a kind of a point where they don't feel that comfortable sharing it. And for some reason that they know there is some hesitation, but they're not sure why. And after making up for their fight, they finally discover that they actually love each other and they're, uh, you know, there's a natural love and passion that develops, which deepens their emotional bond as well. And it's so beautifully portrayed that they're kind of trying to understand their natural instincts, but still trying to keep up with the rules and what uh, that lady has taught them before she died and how they should live and what they should do and what the island gives them. And uh, yeah, so in after that, basically a ship arrives and there's a fight between those folks and this couple. They try to understand each other. There's a quarrel and stuff. And basically in the end, Lily reveals that she's pregnant. And they, they basically decide to stay on that island. They don't go with the people on the ship. And they decide to stay away from civilization and raise their child on the island itself. Like they feel like the island gives them enough. And the weird part about the story is that these two are actually cousins. 
So okay. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of run that story by you and what you think about it. Hmm. <laughs> there are so many aspects to that. I don't know from where to start it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, the one thing that at least uh, you know, pokes at me is like the role of society's influence in making this a taboo mm-hmm. topic to even discuss was just generally I you know I was thinking about why does it make one so squeamish or what's so what's the thing that makes you cringe when you think about it is it the fact that it's taboo and the fact that society or other people in general it's a topic that is not generally spoken about or it's you know it's like cringy or something like that but if that influence is taken away like it was in this story richard and lily story mm-hmm. uh, by the way this is from a movie called blue lagoon uh, i'm sorry if i ruined it for some folks but it's really interesting go ahead and watch it still because there's a lot more to the movie there's mm-hmm. also a sequel called return to the blue lagoon mm-hmm. so go ahead and check out any one of them yeah definitely i shall but yeah so in this case at least there was no societal influence there was nothing and yet the story developed so naturally and you know despite some uh, uneasiness or some obstruction or whatever in the in the form of that ship arriving and people from civilization meeting them and trying to separate them or trying to get back get them back to civilization they they naturally felt that they belonged together you know despite the fact that they were cousins mm-hmm. so i i was basically trying to see what role does that play in this topic yeah so as you mentioned uh, one important point was the societal uh, influence definitely like if a group of people if a large group of people think that something is wrong or something is uh, morally incorrect then it definitely can influence uh, have influence on others even they would think that it is totally wrong or um, they they associate associate it with the objective truth like it is actually wrong and maybe they forget that it can be subjective and that definitely has a part right. in uh, yeah all, all these things even homosexuality like like way long back it was considered a sin and like people were getting uh, during the ancient christian times they were getting burnt at the stake uh, if they were revealed they were homosexual so for a large part it was like that but i think now society is uh, sh- seeing a shift in that because they are more expressive there's democracy um there's uh, human rights and basically there's a shift in thinking yeah and now that it's not uh, a taboo uh, to be uh, homosexual i feel there is less of a cringe for that matter and because incest is still in its uh, stage of uh, what do you say a taboo in that society it's still not there yet hmm Yeah, but like what I was trying to also ask is, do you think that that's the only reason people uh, shy away from that topic? Or I mean, both of us don't have siblings, but someone who did have siblings, maybe they feel weird about talking about it or thinking about it also. But is that only because of the societal notion about it, or is there a natural instinct to kind of shy away from that? Hmm. I think there is also a natural instinct to shy away, like. the only way we can you know uh, know it properly is if we have uh, sort of an experiment like of course it would be a, an inhuman experiment but something like people isolated uh, for many years in an island just like the story that you mentioned exactly uh, exactly <laughs> where there is no so yeah, we need to have a control group like that 
where we can perform an experiment but if we do that i'm not sure because they they wouldn't have any sense of and they have to be uh, you know barred from the common literature or internet whatsoever any influence like they should know yeah exactly they shouldn't know what is normal and uh, just leave their instincts and uh, just their nature to develop by themselves basically so yeah i think unless we do that experiment maybe we wouldn't know or maybe we can just look through the historical uh, data if we have that but it's interesting that you mentioned that because i was just doing a little bit of reading also on this because i was too curious and historically also there have been many instances apparently like in egyptian history during the middle ages mm-hmm. there were kings who would you know marry uh folks in the same family in fact i think i read also about an about certain incan kings who would marry i mean who would have offsprings with their siblings and in a way that was to preserve the purity of the bloodline and to make sure that their family is continuing the kingdom and stuff yeah that's true i mean definitely during those ancient days when you have monarchy or like a single king if they wanted to preserve their wealth or even their power it like logically made sense for them to uh, you know uh, keep their bloodline within their own family so that there's no transfer of power but also it's kind of interesting that you mentioned uh, you know like an experiment because there are some scientists who have some opinions on this like uh, I was reading about this one scientist who you know who suggests that there could be genetic cues to avoid inbreeding like for example the reason that you I mean one of the reasons that you do look similar and you have a similar scent or something even psychologically it could be to make sure that you don't end up breeding with the person of your family or of your relative because there is supposed to be that thing about uh, the children being born unhealthy or having a lack of some functionality is not uh, properly developed and there is some scientific reason for that i'm just going to come back to it but i wanted to take this tangent to kind of talk about this one story of uh, you know in the 1800s where taiwanese minor marriages used to happen where parents like almost like a child marriage where parents would arrange a marriage for their daughter by handing her over to the future groom's family shortly after birth mm-hmm. and they would grow up together so these are called minor marriages and compared to the normal marriage major marriage arrangements where a couple meets just before the wedding these minor couples are supposedly had fewer kids and so the way the scientist sees it as is that the minor couples had such trouble because they grew up with one each other almost like siblings which activated the genetic cues that basically kind of said you know avoid mating with this person because you've grown up with them or her so i mean that also kind of indicates that there might be a genetic component to it and what i wanted to actually also come back to is that i think you were probably familiar with this um, that you know like you could have res- recessive genes like if let's say there are parents and they might have a recessive gene for some feature and uh, let's say the kid gets uh, doesn't get it but still the recessive gene might be present in the son as well as in the daughter and if they both get together then their offspring might end up with the recessive gene from both of them so which might impact some functionality and they might become in some way you know uh, physically handicapped or something have you come across that yeah yeah definitely 
so uh, whenever i'm having a discussion or like whenever there is a discussion regarding this topic for me it's almost a given that the people involved in such a relationship they know the dangers and the risks of uh, having a child so that is for me is that topic is off the table because again there's no point in lingering on it too much because that's a given like they should be knowing about the risks so apart from that i wanted to uh, you know discuss the other ethics of it of that uh, topic yeah because like i mean just to before we end off on that point i did come across this another story of a german uh, person called patrick stubing and he basically had been in mm-hmm. a relationship with his biological sister uh, i think her name was susan or something since 2001 and it gained quite a lot of media attention and became quite popular and spoken about so their relationship they actually produced four children and only one child was with the couple two of them were like suffering from severe physical and mental disabilities and the last one was born with a heart condition that required a transplant and stuff and finally all three disabled children were placed mm-hmm. in foster care and only the one child remained with the couple so i mean that may be a very extreme case but i think it does kind of support that argument yeah no but that was that's really interesting because if you think historically i thought uh, yeah as you said it could be an extreme case uh, because thinking historically with egyptians and uh, not just egyptians there are other civilizations which practice this i don't think they would have had like every offspring wouldn't be you know like that i'm guessing yeah because otherwise they couldn't yeah continue their bloodline or give power uh, transfer of power to them yeah but yeah there definitely is a risk uh, about that so anyway so which is quite obvious and for many people listening in also uh, they might be aware of uh, this fact so i wanted to still discuss about the incident that you mentioned that was pretty interesting for me uh, when minus were married and they lived with their uh, significant other for the most parts of their childhood it's kind of like that experiment we were talking about but still i feel they still would have the influence of society where in that society uh, you know having a relationship with a sibling is unheard of and probably because they were living uh, with their uh, with the other person for so long they probably developed a sibling sort of a relationship with them and so i still don't think it's a maybe a proper experiment for that yeah yeah for sure but i mean it was just interesting to kind of hmm. you know go over that yeah definitely yeah so we were also talking about like uh, historically you know like egyptians and stuff and i wanted to also kind of talk about the greek culture where there's kind of like contradictory themes where uh, there are a lot of uh, you know there is a lot of characters known to have uh, had relations with their own either siblings or relative or even uh, you know parents or children but there are these other stories mm-hmm. in the same mythology like for example the story of oedipus i'm not sure if you're familiar with it mm, i am not okay so it's it's one of those uh, you know like this really really uh, long greek story is like very old and it's really long it's like one of those classics um, you would have come across probably just don't remember it but basically this guy edipus 
he he fulfills a prophecy unknowingly where he ends up having relations with his own mother and not knowing that she was his okay. mother and then hmm. out of disgust like she hangs herself and he blinds himself because he can't afford to look at himself anymore or something like that so there's like contradictory themes where people have gone through with it and it's not been like you know people have not gone against it and stuff yet there are these stories also where uh, it's like absolute no no kind of a vibe over there mm-hmm. and like i also came across these historically nuanced laws where it's like weird laws i think i also want to talk about what today's laws say but uh some of these laws historically they're like you know maternal cousins can marry but paternal cousins cannot really yeah yeah it's so weird right yeah <laughs> like uh, if you have a different surname then that's fine but if you have the same surname like paternal side then you're not supposed to marry or have any relations or something oh. maybe there's a reason for it i'm not sure but yeah i was going to ask if there's a biological reason for it is it based off of a research or No because this is not like but huh. yeah because this is not like today's law so i'm not sure if it is based on any research it was it, it was some historical mm-hmm. law that i came across mm, that's weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> but even okay so where you know where do you draw the line uh, is it only siblings or your immediate family or is it even first cousins like we were discussing in that story or uh, second cousins like where do you draw the line for that incest to not really be called that anymore or have the same kind of taboo feeling about it anymore yeah i mean at least for me it's an unanswered question and uh, because we still see in our day to day lives in our society where our your distant relatives gets married and like everyone is fine with it so even i don't know where the society in general draws the line Yeah like some of them when i hear like or when i tell them that okay this is the distant relative they got married they were like oh but still a relative right that that's the reaction <laughs> i get from some people yeah. some people are like completely fine with it so i think again see society has a huge impact on it um like if sure. most of the people are fine like yeah you're also fine yeah Yeah I mean it's also the weird thing is it's legal in some countries like coming to today's laws and what uh, is there I was surprised to find that it's legal in some countries and not so much in other and like one weird fact mm-hmm. that I came across is like in Canada marriage between uncles mm-hmm. and nieces is permitted but and between aunts and nephews is legal Oh my god I didn't know that So yeah because of this even I was curious and I was checking in which countries it is legal because I know that some countries it's legal and apparently even India is one of them so it's Argentina Brazil oh. India yeah so I'm guessing it's because they don't have anything uh in the law regarding incest so it's not like there there's no explicit ban on it I'm guessing that's what yeah, they probably. are considering it as legal yeah yeah like no law to penalize that Uh-huh, exactly. And so many countries have something like uh incest above the age is legal below the age is not and uh, yeah there are laws like that like specific laws regarding incest. Yeah, even I was saying that it's almost it's considered child abuse and stuff for a specific age group and even though 
Mm-hmm. But it's interesting, like, you know, where do you uh, see that as, what if, what if you make the point that it's two consenting adults and if they choose not to reproduce, like in the example of that German guy that I was telling you, he finally went ahead and got a vasectomy done. So he mm-hmm. can't reproduce anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it just got me thinking, like, what if that danger is not there anymore, then it's two consenting adults and they did finally fall in love and, uh, you know, does that part really matter that they're related in some way or some distant relatives or cousins or something like that. I mean, it's weird thinking about it, but I'm just trying to think very objectively and, you know, trying to imagine if something like that, like, like where, where does society step in over there if it's just two people mm. and it's their wish what they do, right? Like, yeah. what do you think about that? So I feel society, uh, you know, regardless of whether incest actually becomes legal or illegal, they'll still have the aversion to it. And uh, there's not much we can do about it. But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting discussion to have on if the, you know, offspring thing is taken care of, like if they don't produce a child, is it still right to do that? Because as we were talking about the rules of uh, rules regarding such a relationship, um, I think even the rights of such a relationship uh, should be discussed. Like, I want to know like why this is not being given the same rights as uh, homosexuality. Because for me, it is like they're not harming anyone and it's consensual, and um, like they're not forcing any or they're not promoting or forcing anyone to do it. So uh, I'm seeing like why it's not being given the same rights as uh, homosexuality. That's an interesting thought, actually. Yeah. Mm. So maybe if they say that, uh, you know, they're not going to have an offspring or they're just going to adopt and they stick by it. So should we still allow? So that's another question. Yeah. Actually. Or shouldn't we allow? Mm. Pretty interesting because like, I also wanted to kind of pose this, uh, you know, towards the end of the episode, like, does society get to impose laws or should free will be the highest order as long as you don't harm anyone? Mm. I, I, that, that's the part that I wanted to kind of discuss with you because we haven't talked about this even, you know, in any of our episodes or even off episode. But mm-hmm. I just wanted to kind of see what you think about that. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Because law is always kind of uh, changing and in a flux. There's, it, it depends on the society and the times that we live in and how it evolves, like you were also mentioning earlier. So, So, like, today we're sentencing someone or we're, you know, uh, imprisoning someone for something. And tomorrow that law might not even be there. It might be considered wrong to have had that law. But today we see it as completely right and just, like, how it's happened in the past, right? So, I mean, I've always struggled with this question, you know, where does, how far can society go in imposing rules and laws on people's lives? And I have a little bit of another, you know, perspective on it and take on it. But I first wanted to just hear what you think about it. Yeah, no, that that's really interesting because even I was thinking the the questions that I have pondered upon were uh, who gets to choose? I mean, who gets to decide those laws? That's one thing. And like, how do they even decide what justice should be? Because it keeps changing. It has changed. We've seen historically that uh, exactly like you mentioned, um, it's one thing the uh, one day and like after a hundred or one fifty years, it's something else. So, the free will thing, that's really 
uh, in a very interesting solution. Because if you consider something like murder or thievery, um, those things, there, there is some party who is losing. Exactly. And there's some party who is getting hurt. So, yeah, I mean, there's always that and uh, justice can definitely come over there. But with such things, say homosexuality or incest or uh, anything like that, just like I mentioned, like uh, those two, three conditions where they don't harm anyone and they are each other, they are not getting harmed themselves. So does justice even have a part of, uh, you know, part to say something in it? Yeah, I think that's an interesting topic. <laughs> but also, yeah. yeah, the other perspective <laughs> that I wanted to kind of uh, run by you is something that I had thought of a while back. Is that like, what if even, it's unrelated to incest or anything, but like, what if, even for a child, right, being born in the world, in a way, we kind of impose society on them, right? It's like, they're born, let's say without, I mean, assuming that there's no choice involved, they're just born, and they don't get to choose which country or which place or how, in what living conditions they're born, and it's like, in a way, they have to kind of go along with what everyone else is doing, like, go to school, get a job, earn and pay taxes, so there's no... I mean, in a way, there isn't a free will of choice from the beginning. You've been put into a framework, and in that framework, what choices you can make, you're limited by those. There isn't an absolute free will of having the choice of life from the beginning. Like, what if I didn't want to, what if I wanted to live in the forest? Like, think about it. Right now, if I want to live in the forest, even that is like a really difficult thing to do because it will come under some countries boundaries and i will be subjected to those laws and i can't just go and choose any piece of land and just stay there i will have to either buy it or do some legal business or be involved but what if i don't want to be involved in any kind of human society law justice order anything i just want a small piece of the earth that i deserve because i was born here and i just want to live in it the way i want to live and i don't want any benefits or rules of the society can i really do that Hmm, that's very interesting. I feel they still would uh, not uh, let you do that because of the harm that you yourself would be posing uh, to yourself. That's what I'm asking. Say, that's what I'm asking. Right? Some other. So ideally, you should be able to do that. But I feel the argument that they would give is, uh, say, what if someone else comes and they're like they're trying to kill you or something? So it's a risk or a harm to yourself, and we won't let you do that. And that's what happens with, uh, like, if someone is showing the suicidal, uh, you know, symptoms, I think that's what they do, that they, they won't let them be alone. Like, there's always, they're always under the guardian. Yeah, but that that's what I mean, right? Okay, leaving that one extreme case aside, it's still my life and my choice, and that's how I want to live it. I want to be away from society and I want to be away from all these rules and laws. And in doing that, I'm also rejecting all of the benefits that I would get. Like, you know, all the time running water or electricity or security or whatever, or justice for that matter. If I want to choose to live that life, it's like so hard to do that, right? I, I don't know, it would be almost impossible unless you stay in hiding for a long time or live in such remote areas that... There isn't any order over there or people to monitor or something. But it's just a thought I had. Like like babies or kids don't choose to be born in this society or life this way. But in a way, it's kind of imposed on them and they have to kind of grow up in this framework. After they grow up, they can of course choose to leave or try to do something else or move to a better place or whatever. But 
Yeah, that's totally true. I mean, like, uh, I've seen the statistic that people who are born in, say, third world countries, even if they are, like, way better at something than we normally are, they still won't succeed in life because of the opportunities surrounding them. It's very, very uh, feeble and they don't get equal opportunities, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like one part. So they won't suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. One one aspect of it. So we are kind of. I feel we are kind of stuck in that aspect. It would be ideal if we, you know, set our configurations before we are born. <laughs> yeah, like, no, right. Okay, this, this is the place. <laughs> this is the weather conditions. Yeah. Apparently, uh, this is the per- GDP of the country that I want to be born. <laughs> all that. But you know what? Like, jokes aside, apparently <laughs> I have read somewhere that. Okay, I know it might sound totally crazy to you, but apparently you do have some unconscious tendencies and it's not a completely random thing of where you are born or which... What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it. I mean, I'm not saying I completely agree with it, but I was just too curious to know about it because I've been thinking about this for a long time. Mm-hmm. And there are some theories or some uh, schools of thought that say that even the choice of where you are born, in a way, is an unconscious choice, depending on the kind of tendencies you form. So, do they mean that we still have a choice and we chose it? Not a conscious choice. Unconsciously, at least. Yeah, in a way, it's unconscious based on your karma and stuff like that. I'm not an expert on it, but uh, uh, I just wanted okay. to kind of put that thought. Since you mentioned it, it suddenly kind of just like triggered that in me. <laughs> yeah, I mean... For me, the way I imagine, like, I think you would know about my uh, stand on consciousness. So for me, no matter who it is, like, there, like, how how do you even define, I I wanted to be, or like, what if I had born in Africa or, like, USA or, I don't know, Australia. There's no I in that. Yeah, there's just a baby which is born with an undeveloped mind and through its environmental factor, it becomes who it is. So, yeah. there's no you being born there. Huh? Yeah, I know about your... But I just wanted to kind of mm. say that since you said that. <sighs> I mean, I guess we can never be able to answer those kind of questions. But it's interesting. Like, there's been so much said and done about these kind of things that I feel like I want to explore yeah. all of this without without not... I mean, I don't want to not know it. Whether I agree with it or not, that's secondary. But mm. I still want to kind of be aware of what's being said about it. Yeah, that's true. So, while we are discussing why it's right or wrong uh, to have such a relationship, I think for me, it's also a debate on, at least for me, it's also a debate on what love is. Like, is it the same sort of, like, because we love our siblings, we love our parents, we love our wives or husbands, whatever. So, how is it different from the other sorts of love? So, is the physical relationship the only deciding factor on uh, such type of relationships? So, it's interesting for me to think about that. And maybe in doing so, we'll, I don't know, figure out what love is. (laughs) Well, you love your dog also. You miss that. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I mean... (laughs) It is interesting, but I guess there's always different dynamics of any... I mean, you could even think about the teacher-student relationship and how different that is. For me, that's like just one thing that has always seemed very different than any other kind of relationship. And yeah, I think 
when it comes to romantic relationships where is where there is a physical touch involved and there's more to it the possibilities are more and there's different dimensions involved over there it does differentiate it su- sufficiently to give it a different flavor altogether um but yeah i mean it is interesting if you question about that hmm. actually when you were talking about that i had another question let's strip away the physical uh, relationship in the romantic relationship would we still call it ro- a romantic relationship because you still care for the person you still do for your sister uh, you're concerned about them you are about your sister so where, where is the difference you know it's interesting you mentioned that because if you know like when we say romantic poetry we don't mm-hmm. really mean in terms of strict romance we're talking about like nature and stuff like that so maybe it could also just be a limitation of language that we use the same word love for all of these things and the defining part of a romantic relationship is the romance part of it oh hey that's very interesting you actually. get what i mean yeah 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 i know that language plays a very important role in uh, how we think yeah it just struck me when you were asking about that that maybe mm. why are we calling it the same love it, it's obviously mm. different right there's a difference there. <laughs> so okay so this is interesting then if we had different words which are which mean different types of loves for all these things i think then we would have a better sense of what uh, what type of love you have for some person yeah it could be. A, i mean it also makes uh, me yeah yeah for sure it would just be more clearly defined boundaries but that also makes me think like what place would insist have to play in a world like that mm. would it even be accepted to the tiny level that it is right now do you yeah. get what i mean because the more you distinguish it the more separate it becomes and the intermingling of those two different things becomes like an even more taboo topic than it already is exactly that you're absolutely right so i think because there are no words for differentiating among all these categories they have that um, Uh, they have a tiny amount of space in society probably yep yep for sure hmm or maybe it's also okay probably i'm just being wild here but because there are no words for it maybe they started developing that feelings because there's no clear way to describe love for this or love for that well I mean it could be but I I don't know for some reason yeah. I think of it as the other way around you feel something and then you try to figure out what the mm-hmm. what you're feeling is so that you can describe it to someone or to the significant other or anyway and it kind of brings me back to the story about the blue lagoon the island and those two kids mm-hmm. it's like if you should really watch that movie actually trust me it's really a nice experience yeah. because the way they showed how those two developed feelings for each other which was already there is just that they didn't realize that it was a romantic relationship un- until they reached adulthood and became sexually mature mm. and the way they realize it, it it's so natural that it makes you think that you don't really need a word to define it you will naturally feel it if you spend so much time with somebody and it's that kind of an environment that you protect each other's survival and you know you're constantly indulging in each other emotionally i mean not physically but like mentally and is this you and the other person so i feel like language comes secondary over there it's more about what you experience and feel first yeah that's totally true so 
speaking of that blue lagoon like i have actually read another novel called uh, forbidden so even that deals with the same topic and even the way that the author has constructed the dynamics of this relationship is such a way that uh, it was very natural for them and it like it couldn't have been any other way it was like that so oh, okay. yeah it's interesting and when i was reading like anonymous uh, you know postings of uh, actual people who are who are in such a relationship and it there, there was a striking similarity between that story and like how even these people developed such a feelings for their uh, siblings pretty crazy actually i mean i'm glad that we kind of touched upon so many different perspectives mm-hmm. on this topic it's kind of made me think a little much more than i was already uh, trying to <laughs> yeah same here especially that justice aspect of it like should uh, they even have a say yeah yeah mm. because it constantly keeps shifting yeah like what place does law have in in an individual's life or in society or just in general you know like in a person's life yeah all right i think we touched upon some good stuff on this topic and i'm pleasantly surprised that we kind of went so much into it i didn't think that uh, we'd be discussing it for like with so many perspectives in mind so yeah also if if we if either of us said something that might be a bit offensive or something our apologies for that uh we just thought we'd kind of foray into this topic and see where it takes us so feel free to leave your thoughts and comments down below if you're on youtube if you're listening to us on other platforms like uh google podcast or apple podcast you can reach out to us on instagram at curiosphere and yeah thanks for listening in have a good one